the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week's guest is Ashley Cooper, a transgender female comedian, writer, and streamer. She established herself as a filmmaker to watch after she produced and directed the short film Interview with a Time Traveler. It raised 163% of its Kickstarter goal. It has been watched over a million times and been featured on some of the biggest film sites, so it's pretty easy to find out there. She's also worked on many scripts adaptations for TV and video games. Ashley Cooper, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to the show. Hello! With the things that you do, I, I was it kind of struck me that um, fear doesn't seem to be a big issue for you. Is that true? I think it's less that it's an issue and more that I do it anyway. <laughs> I'm still afraid of doing things. I've just learned to not let that stop me. What are some of the significant fears that you've run up in, uh, against in your life? I am not a big fan of like this, this mortal coil <laughs> I've been stuck with. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of, um, I have a lot of complicated feelings around my body, around my face, around my voice, around all these things. And yet I still put myself in positions where <laughs> I'm shoving a camera in my face <laughs> and I'm speaking to audiences full of people that I don't know and stuff like that. And it's kind of, you know, it's not, but it is sort of uh, exposure therapy for me, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, like the more, the more that I do it, eventually I'm hoping that it'll just stop bothering me. You know what I mean? Like if I keep just if I keep just pushing myself and, and putting it out there and and facing it, eventually it'll just be a non-issue and I won't think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't gotten to that point yet, uh, but that's the goal <laughs> to be continued. So. Yeah. Well, I got to assume that with uh, doing stand up comedy, that's got to be a big issue there. Has doing that kind of um, it's pretty similar. But how has that forced you to get better about that, about overcoming the fears? Stand-up comedy is one of the best decisions I've made in my entire life. Um, it has taught me so many incredible things about just like owning who I am and taking uh, taking control of a space, you know? Um, and even in a room where I have no idea who the crowd is or how they're going to react to me or my material mm -hmm. um, to go up there and to confidently deliver those first few jokes to get a gauge of the room. Um, I think it's something that I've started taking into my personal life as well, where I've stopped asking for permission to exist in spaces that aren't necessarily labeled or advertised as safe or friendly spaces. Because mm -hmm. um, like in the Toronto comedy scene specifically, and I'm sure this is the case elsewhere as well, but I haven't really performed outside of the GTA, so I don't want to speak for the, the rest of the country or the rest of the world. Um, there is a pretty great and thriving queer comedy scene here. And so as a result of that, there are producers, there are venues, there are shows that are kind of by default space and are uh, mm. by default space. safe and advertised as such because they're shows that have queer producers, they're shows that have all queer lineups or majority queer lineups um, or are advertised specifically to queer audiences. And when I first started doing comedy, I was doing a lot of those shows and having an absolute blast. But I knew for myself 
if I wanted to be successful at comedy and I wanted that to be something that I could pursue in a more substantial way, I had to appeal to more than the people that were already bought in, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing shows at shitty pubs that were around the corner from subway stations in, you know, like the more conservative neighborhoods and stuff like that. I started pushing myself outside of my comfort zone and being like, I need to be able to dominate those rooms. Mm -hmm. I need to make those people laugh. That's how I know this is working. And here I am two years and over 200 shows later. Wow. So if if I didn't push myself to do that and to put myself in situations where I had the potential to be uncomfortable, where I had the potential to fail, I would never know where the ceiling was. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it kind of mirrors what we need to do in public space, just, just in general, in general life. Like, absolutely. You know, yeah. at, at, at it's first... kind of a microcosm of just navigating the world as a trans person. It's like, you can't not go to, you know, you can't not go to the mall because you're afraid of, of getting side-eyed. Like if you were, fr- if you let fear stop you from doing everything, you'd never leave your house. Yeah. Or at least I wouldn't like, I don't want to speak for everybody, but like, it's 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 hard out there. <laughs> well, I think that's very common yeah. for trans people, you know, to to have that fear and to do that. You know, that's why the term closeted exists because we, you know, it's it's metaphorical for for homosexual people, but it seems kind of more literal for trans people that you know we Too pretty sad. much only get a chance to 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 dress up in the closet or in you know the bedroom with the windows closed, the, with the blinds closed, and all of that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I remember. I mean, no, I can't relate to that at all. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I just remember when I started, like I had some clothes and I would go out to a beach to run, to run my dog and I would like change and I'd put on some, some clothes or whatever. And I'd have like a padded bra under a hoodie at, in the dark, like in my car. And I'd be terrified when at, at a streetlight that, that cars next to me could tell that I was, you know, quote unquote cross-dressed that I was wearing a bra under all of that with nothing else, no right. makeup, anything like that. And it's just, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that 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 fear just keeping me from from doing anything. How did you how did you get into the stand up comedy? Where did that start? That was so I got into comedy uh, because of crippling depression. Again, something completely <laughs> uncommon and and you know unique in the trans community, right? Uh, so basically, I went through this period. Uh, I can no longer remember specifically what triggered it, but it was dysphoria related. It was transition related. It was general nebulous unhappiness related. I went through this really terrible period of depression that lasted about a week or better where I could not get off the couch. I couldn't stop crying at random intervals. I had no drive. I didn't want to do anything. I was just a husk. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I kind of slowly started coming out the other end of that. And as I did, I had this very clear thought to myself that I needed to find a way to take some of the power away from the things that were bothering me or someday they were going to kill me. And where was that in your transition? Um, what was a year yeah, a year, a, uh, a, around a year from the period where I'd come out to myself and just shy of a year to having come out publicly. Okay. And uh, were you on hormones at this point or anything? 
Was that a factor? Yes. Yeah? yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if it was part, I don't know if it was part of like my body catching up to HRT or like what the, the chemical cocktail that led to that particular episode was. Um, but I thought to myself, I need to take some of the power away from this. And one of the easiest ways to take power away from anything is to laugh at it, is to make fun of it, is <laughs> to, po you know, to, to poke it. Um, and so what for the next little while, when I would walk my dog, I would have the leash in one hand and my phone notes app in the other hand. And I would write out these little rough ideas of jokes and eventually came out with a very rough version of what eventually became the first stand-up set that I would ever perform. Mm -hmm. But at the time, it was just a thought experiment. It was not intended to actually go out and perform it. Um, I just wanted to get it down on paper. I wanted to see if I could, in fact, flip the narrative and look at it from a different perspective. Um, but after I finished it, I sent it to a friend, like I sent it to a friend of mine uh, who's also a comedian. And I was like, hey, like you should, you would appreciate this. Like, this is what kind of what I've been up to. Cause he's my best friend. Like he knew the struggles that I'd been going through. He knew that it had been a week since I'd gotten off the couch and stuff. I was like, this is, this is what, I, this is my, ther this is my, my little, you know, uh, self-imposed therapy assignment. This is what I've been up to. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, this is not, you know, for your first stab, like this is, this is not bad. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing you perform it. And I was like, oh no, 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 no. Pump the brakes, no. pump the brakes I, a little bit. <laughs> I was like, it was just a thought experiment. It's not, I'm not interested in performing. That's not me. Um, I just wanted to see if I could get it down. And he was like, okay, cool. Well, yeah, like, he's like, I like it. Um, and gave me a little bit of feedback and stuff like that. I didn't do anything with it, didn't have any intention to do anything with it. Um, but 2017 was the year that I had come out. And so I spent that entire year very much insular. Mm -hmm. I was spending a lot of time inside yeah. thinking and all of those things that you do kind of in early transition to figuring myself out again. <laughs> um, and Take two. Take I really two. did I really didn't do much in 2017. Like in terms of like, if you could like list off, you know, how did you spend your year? Most of mine would be like crying. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I didn't do a lot. I cried and I went shopping. <laughs> um, so much. So I was on. like, I was like in 2018, my goal is going to be to do one thing a month that I can be proud of. Hmm. It can be really small and personal. It can be a big professional goal, but I wanna look back on this year and say that I accomplished something for myself. Hmm. And so that meant I needed to fill 12 spots on the map, on the calendar. What are words? I'm a writer. Uh, <laughs> I had to fill 12 spots on the calendar and so I came up with a couple small things to get the year started. It was like, I'm trying to fill all of these months on the calendar for my accomplishment a month goal. I was like, since the comedy thing is already written, I thought that could be one of them. And in December, do you know, <laughs> I was like, do you know anybody who would be willing to put me on like the opening spot of like a shitty pub show somewhere where my friends could come and laugh at me or with me or whatever, one and done 
you know what I mean? Like just in and out, no big deal. Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, yeah, I could probably, I can probably wrestle something up. Give me, give me a couple days, a couple days come and go. And he gets back to me and he introduces me to this producer who's putting on, I shit you not, a queer comedy showcase in two months. And I was like, what part of shitty pub show opening slot did you not understand? I was like, I am not an emerging queer comedian. I'm like, this is, this is literally like a, like a bucket list sort of thing. Like just, just, I'm just doing it. Like I just, I'm just to do it once. Mm -hmm. And he was like, ah, you'll be fine. And (laughs) so I accepted the spot because I didn't want to make him look like an asshole for recommending me. Um, I didn't want him to have put himself out there and then for me to be like, actually, I'm just kidding. Um, Because that would make him look bad. Um, And then so I was like, well, shit. Like, I was like, I wasn't taking this seriously before. Like, this was just going to be like a one and done, no fuss, no muss sort of thing. I was like, now it's a showcase uh, that's being like really well advertised in the area. I was like, now I have to like really put effort into this. And so I started going to an open mic every week leading up to the workshop and just running my set over and over again and then recording it on my phone so that I could listen to it in my headphones on the way home and hone it and tighten it and rewrite it for seven weeks leading up to the the showcase. And then went up, did the showcase and was like, I need this. This has been missing from my life. Wow. and just didn't stop uh and just kept doing shows and kind of it kind of became this perpetual motion machine more shows begot more shows begot more shows and i started getting booked on bigger uh i got booked on bigger shows i got uh eventually i got uh the opportunity to open for shasir zameta uh from snl i got to open for cameron esposito like i got all of these incredible uh, opportunities. I got to showcase for JFL last year, which was amazing. Um, and just like, not in a million years would I have asked to be on that show, but I was put in a, in a position where I could take what was offered or let the fear step me back. And I could have been like, no, there's been a mistake. I just want to do a shitty pub show. Mm-hmm. And then who knows where I would have been. If it would have taken, you know, if it would have taken hold this strong, you know, um, and I'm, I mean, comedy doesn't currently exist because none of us are outside of our house, but I've been chomping at the bit to get back to it. Cause I just, I, I immediately fell in love with it. Nice. So what were your, what were your topics to start with in, in your comedy in your, in your initial bit? And then kind of what, what have you evolved to? Uh, a lot of the stuff that I started out with was, about um personal uh personal issues that i was having with my transition and then the material grew into tackling systemic transphobia um turfs uh basically basically uh my entire performance is built as a trans 101 um (laughs) You can walk you can walk in the room having never met, spoken to, educated yourself on trans people in any way, shape, or form, 
And by the time I get off the stage, you can leave a little more educated on the subject. Hmm. Um, so you do, you do a funny much, version of this show. <laughs> basically, like I, I very intentionally keep in the back of my mind that every time I get up on the stage, I'm the first trans person that somebody in that audience has ever seen in person. Mm -hmm. And I have an opportunity to change their mind. So with that, how, how, uh, how are you received as a standup? And like, um, so I'm assuming you, you, you say you kind of address that, but do you find that it's really necessary to kind of have warm up to get the crowd over that initial, I mean, for lack of a better term, shock, you know, and, and my um, warm up is literally me coming out to the audience through a joke. I literally just dive right in mm -hmm. because one of I think it simultaneously, and this seems like a bit of a, a cop out and a little bit of a, um, a cliche, but I feel like my biggest strength and weakness as uh, a comedian and comic performer is that I don't have an out. And by that, I mean, you'll see really, really tight, well honed comedians who will go up and start doing uh, a certain uh, certain set of jokes. And for one reason or another, they may not be connecting to the audience on that particular night. And you can see them very deftly switch subjects to try to get the audience on their side. Mm -hmm. uh, and they basically just pivot and change their strategy. I don't have that. Yeah. I have a very specific thing that I'm there to do and a very specific goal and very specific material with which to do it. So if you're not on board, <laughs> we're going, the ship is going down with us both. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, but I think that has also served to my benefit because again, I don't give myself an out in terms of the fear. If, if I'm getting tepid response at the beginning, I can't chicken out and revert to like, so how about airplane peanuts? <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like I, What's the I have to go full throttle through this set. And I mean, I can count on one hand, the number of absolutely terrible shows that I've had, I think, wow, you know, where impressive. I've just gotten off the stage and just thought like, fuck me. Why did I get, why did I leave the house? Tonight? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think a big part of that is that I do my best not to talk down to the audience. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't go on stage and say, here are all the things I expect you to know. I say, here are all the things that you don't know, how they're dumb, and why that's funny. <laughs> um, and I think it's because it's a perspective that not a lot of people have heard from before, and there's still a novelty to that. Mm -hmm. What's your response after the show? Do you get a lot of people coming up to you and, and saying, oh my God, you changed my perspective, you changed my life, those kinds of heartwarming stories? Uh had a lot of really great experiences post shows and there's two that particularly that stand out that I hold very near and dear to me. The first is the obvious one of trans people in the audience who works who came to the show because they heard there was going to be a trans comedian or who were shocked and surprised that there was a trans comedian and that they were so excited that they were able to relate to the material and oh my god i've had that happen too and stuff like that and that was what i thought i was after when i first started i was like i want to be the representation that i don't currently have mm -hmm. in the world 
I want to take up the space that I wish I could see myself in. And I still love that, and that is still very fulfilling. But what I didn't expect, and what I think is equally fulfilling and just as important, is cis straight people who come up to me after the show and say, I have never heard anybody talk about it like that before. I think I get it now. Hmm. Or I went to this sh this comedy festival um, last year, and it's in not the most progressive city in Ontario, to be kind. <laughs> and like to the point where like I got to the address that was on the Facebook event that had been sent to me, and I walked in the door, and it was. 400 cisgender white 40 year old couples in a banquet hall <laughs> and I immediately left the building and walked around the entire perimeter convinced there must be another entrance because there was no way that could be the room that I was doing comedy tonight <laughs> something wrong it here was. Wow. it was the room I was doing comedy in that night was that so one of the I ones you can in. count on your hand or, or <laughs> what's that? Was that one of the ones you can count on your, on the one hand? <laughs> it was not surprisingly. I went in convinced that I was going to absolutely eat shit. Uh, sat at the table with the other comedians, just dreading having to go up, went up, killed it. And then after the show, this couple came up to me and they were like in their mid thirties or something. They weren't of the, the older fair that seemed to take up the majority of the audience, but they came up and they were like, we're so glad that you came tonight because I guarantee nobody in this room has ever seen a trans person in the flesh before and only know of their existence through like fucking Fox news and shit. Yeah. Um, and you humanized that for this entire room of people tonight. And I could tell by the reaction of the room that you changed minds. Wow. And I was like, I had no idea how to take it. Like I, I did, I was not prepared for that. I didn't know what to do with it. And it just sat with me for the rest of the day. And I was like, well, shit, if that's an option, I think that's the goal now. Yeah. Because every single opportunity that I have to make life a little bit easier for the next trans girl that this person meets is an opportunity I've got to take. Hmm. That's great. Um, I've got some questions here in the, in the audience. The first one was, um, can we hear your, your opener? All right, it's ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. My name is Ashley Cooper, and I came here tonight to share with you a secret. In case these hips, these shoulders, and this voice haven't yet given it away, I'm trans. And that's how the that's how every single one of my two hundred some odd shows begins. And that's that that that's that, there you go. Now we're in. Um, do you get a response yeah. from that? Do you get a, a laugh from that, or um, do you, then do you go into something I else? Get a, I get a laugh or applause. Depends oh. on the day. Depends on the room. Nice. Okay. But not a lot of crickets after that one, huh? No. 
Have you ever had issues with uh, confidence while you're performing? Like, you know, uh, when I'm doing, I, I'm in Toastmasters, and I find that I will hit a bump and I'll lose my train of thought of where I was going, and then I I freeze, and that's where the 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 fear really comes in. Do you do you run into that, and how do you work through that? I have really weird experiences with performance anxiety. Because kind of going back to what I mentioned before, where I don't give myself an out, I have the material so deeply ingrained in my brain Mm. that I have found myself thinking about the anxiety that I've been that I'm having and what to do about it. And coming back to the material two jokes later, like my body's been on autopilot. like trying to figure out like is there like is there a joke that i can swap out for this thing or is there because like i have a very specific structure to my set but they're built each section of the set is built on themes and it's almost modular Mm -hmm. where i have certain jokes that can be lifted and replaced with things um like if i you know get going into the section of the of the set that's about transphobia for for example i have a multitude of jokes about very specific instances of transphobia and depending on how much or how little set time that i have i can choose which ones go in there but because it's still the little microcosm is about transphobia it still fits as a whole in the in the greater span of the the set yeah and so I will be working out all of that stuff while dealing with the actual performance aspect of it Mm -hmm. and not paying attention to what's coming out of my mouth and then deliver a punchline and have like that two seconds to be like, oh, right, I'm literally up here doing this right now. (laughs) That's amazing. And then kind of just keep going. (laughs) But I will say... I am so I am like heart in throat nervous right up to the point that I grab the microphone every single time. Like because I don't consider myself a natural performer. Mm. Um comedy is this weird outlier in my life in that in every other aspect of my life I don't tend to want to be the center of attention. I don't tend to want to uh, be the focus. Um, I would rather, you know, uh, hide in the corner of a room and and drink by myself than to like engage with strangers at a party. Uh Like I'm that kind of person typically. I'm much more introverted. And so it's very strange that comedy opened up this little micro extrovert in me. Um, but I have to kind of like force myself onto the stage every single time <laughs> mm-hmm. because it, I get like that, like full body, uh, adrenaline anxiety experience. And it's just like, go, go, go. Like mm-hmm. every single time it'd be so easy to turn around and run home. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. So the feelings I had before the start of the show today are, are totally fine. Then. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So let's get into your your history a bit. When did you first realize that you were uh, where you were different? I'd like to start there, and then we'll ask about trans. When I was eight years old, wow. I re- I used to love playing. Uh, I would play like make believe games on the playground, like you do as a child. 
And when I was a kid, the biggest thing in the world, and the biggest thing in my world was Power Rangers. And I very distinctly remember when we were picking our characters to play, I desperately wanted to be the Pink Ranger and inherently knew that I couldn't say that out loud. Hmm. Yeah, I have a, a memory of that. You know, that always kind of sparks one thing. You, you know, as you get older, you just have these little flashes from your childhood. I remember specifically, and I don't know how, how many times we did this, but doing the make-believe thing, and it was like playing sort of like a house type of a thing, not in the creepy sure. you know, yeah. way, but... Um, I, I vaguely remember kind of wishing I could play the mom, um, yeah. but I always ended up being the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like when the I was three genders, mom, dad, and dog. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, I think I felt most of my life um, that it, it took me a long time to realize that I was, I was trans and that I was different. Uh, I, I just, I, I think I, felt that I was a boy and that that was just the way it was and so I had to do the things that were in that it, it you know thinking outside of that was was never an option for me so it's kind of interesting sure. to, to look back and see these little breadcrumbs that actually were there that I never realized because like I was it wasn't it, it wasn't a, an option for me right so when so you were eight and you started seeing some of these things um when did you first realize you were you were trans when did you first identify as as that um, like when did I come out to myself? Yeah, just when did you realize that that's what it was? Uh, that would have been October of 2016. Okay. So that was when you, you I was, came out. Yeah. So I was 31. Okay. Who was the first person you came out to? My best friend. Actually, the comedian from the story from earlier. Oh, awesome. Who was the hardest person to come out to? My parents. Um, not because I thought they wouldn't be supportive, but because despite all of the evidence that they would, I was terrified that I was missing some telltale sign and that they wouldn't be anyway. Mm -hmm. Because when I first came out, I, uh, I came out to myself on a weekend. Uh, I was living with my partner at the time and I came out to myself on my way home from having visited family on a weekend when my partner was working out of the town. So I came home to an empty house and just had to like sit in it. <laughs> um, and did what I think most people do was I went to the internet in search of support and I found this message board and this message board did way more damage than it did help unintentionally <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, because all of the stories that I found there were stories of divorce, of excommunication from families, of, uh, you know, uh, being fired, of all of these terrible, horrible things. Mm -hmm. And some of these stories were like, I thought my partner was going to support me and I'm current, you know, we're separated and she's filing for divorce. Or it was, you know, I always thought my parents would be in my corner and now they won't talk to me. It was like, and I was like, well, I think my parents are always going to be in my corner. Am I wrong? Yeah. You know, and I had no evidence to support this, but you, in those early days, are so afraid of what's going to happen the first time that you say it out loud. 
Yeah. Well, the problem is, is you that, know, you know, like you were talking before about, you know, most people have never met a trans pe- person. It's the same thing for us. Like, so we don't, you know, we don't know ourselves. Yeah. And uh, for me, I, I had this overwhelming fear of like, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Like up to this point, you know, from eight till 31, I have so many breadcrumbs that I can trace back. And be like, oh, that was that was a moment where the egg cracked. That was a moment where the egg cracked. That like all the way through my entire life, in and some of them in hilariously obvious overt ways. That it's like, how did you end up back? Like, how did you end up repressing that afterwards? It was so obvious. And it's like the brain is a magic <laughs> is a magic thing. Um, but <laughs> yeah, brains brains I, are great at denial. My God, brains yeah. like if they excel at one thing, denial is it. I swear. That's it. If if I am talented in one thing, it is that. Um, I can't remember what point I was making now. Um, we were talking about my parents. Yeah, just just uh, the the oh the no the the message board that you found the first thing that you came and, and oh how yeah da- so damaging and that so was. I I just got. All of my fear just was piled onto with all these other stories. And I had no reason to believe that my parents wouldn't be supportive, but I was so terrified that they wouldn't be. So I I came out to them last before I came out publicly to everybody. Not because they were less, less important, but in fact, because they were the most important. And if for any reason that didn't, go the way that I was hoping, I need all of these people to catch me. Uh-huh. Because I came out to all of the people that I thought were safe bets, basically, first. All of my closest friends who I had, like, a moral certainty to who they they were and what their character was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the people that you know it, you've done really stupid and, and terrible things with yeah. or in front of, and, and you know and, that, like, that was okay, so... Let's see if this if this goes well. Despite despite the fact that I had chosen people specifically for that reason, it never got easier. Mm-hmm. I thought it would get easier. It never got easier, which is a big part of why I come out to every audience at the beginning of my show, mm-hmm. because that was the most visceral fear I've ever felt in my life. Every time I sat down across from somebody to come out to them, yeah, and I was like, no now you work for me (laughs) um and so i chose all of these people but despite that it was still so stressful every single time including coming out to one of my best friends who has trans siblings (laughs) Uh, but every single time i just got this overwhelming stress and like i would like hunch over my body was so like contorted from the stress of it Mm. and then i eventually came out to my parents and they were like okay <laughs> and like they they took a little while to adapt it was it was it's still a big change you know 31 years is uh we'll we'll be polite and call it habit forming <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> um and so it took you know it took a minute to to catch up and and to adapt but they've never once faltered in their love for me they've never once not had my back you know, and my mom's gone to bat for me when, you know, members of my family have messed up my pronouns and wow. stuff like that. Like 
she's my biggest supporter. Like she would go to war for me. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and that's so important that, you know, the, to have the family structure behind you, the friends are great 100%. and everything, but the, yeah. the, the family with their un- unconditional love, it, it, it's, that's the most important one. And that's why Absolutely. it's so devastating to hear that so many trans people don't get that. Yeah. I know that I am extremely fortunate in that situation. Um, and it, it kills me that that's not the default. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, my, my coming out to my parents has been extremely weak. Um, it's been very tepid and, and timid, you know, because of those same, the, those same fears. And I feel like when you do that, you don't make the pic- picture clear enough for them and you don't, it just makes it kind of harder for them in a way. But then, you oh, know, yeah, I, still, I totally I, fucked it up when I came out to them. I mm. was so bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we don't like, know. I, it's just, I think it's it's yeah. the situation that's going to be because we don't understand it ourselves. We're trying. We're trying to figure it out, but it's hard. Yeah, and it's like, how do I put this in in how do I put this in like a, a easy to understand way? How do I answer these questions without rambling? You know. Um, but every it was so hard to get out every single word. So like, I would just like answer with the most minimum response that I could manage and I was just so full of anxiety I was like eventually like I was like I I spent the entire conversation waiting for the other shoe to drop uh and it just never came that's amazing and then it took and then because I fucked that up so much it it took me that much longer to make up that road Mm. later okay yeah, I'm still still dealing with it. I'm still getting the questions of like, are you sure? Uh, it was so funny because I've been uh, dressed full time for so long around my my family and all of that. And um, because of the furlough, you know, I was talking with my dad about looking for a job, and he and you know, just straight faced, he was like, "Are you're gonna look for a job like like that?" <laughs> Oof. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. And so it's it's those um, those kind of backhanded sort of things that that are you know still the little, little yeah. jabs and, and I you know again really kind of tepid with them because I I cling to that whatever support and whatever love I can get for them that I told that I told my dad that basically what I need from you guys is just open the door when I show up when I show up open the door and um, as long as that's it then that you know as long as we have that then you know that that's what I really need and hopefully that we can build beyond that at some point but I'm just trying not to press it too much because I know, you know, they're traditional, they're older, it's hard for them. Again, no trans right. experience whatsoever. So, yeah, it's tough. Um, did you ha- have any support from people you weren't expecting once it kind of came out more and more? Like, for instance, I, at work, I, I, the president of our company, who I wasn't even sure really knew my name, pulled me into his office shortly before he left the company and he was telling me that that you know he's not only impressed but um really kind of inspired by the courage i have and and being myself and i'm like this is the president of the company this is a guy that just has balls for days and uh you know has run you know massive massive fortune 500 companies and and all that and and he's saying this to me so like it shocked me have you had anything that surprised you like that Funnily enough, also my boss at the time. Um, I was working at a production company as a television commercial producer at the time that I came out. And I had been there for four years at that point. I'd worked my way up from being the owner's assistant. 
and I came out to him and he was super supportive and cool and uh, that I was like yep expect that he seems like a chill dude was not expecting him to like kick me to the curb or anything also I had made myself uh extremely valuable at that company so they really couldn't just kick me to the curb I knew too many things and nobody that nobody else knew <laughs> uh, but he went so far above and beyond just giving me a thumbs up and being like cool Ashley go change your email um he had the company's publicist draft and publish a letter on the social media pages for the company basically saying uh you know this is ashley she just came out she's been with us forever whatever she's awesome um and he was like that is a statement to weed out anybody that has a problem with that he was like because it would be a pain in the ass to have to go around and email every single client that we deal with. Mm-hmm. He's like, but we're going to do that loudly and publicly because if any of them have a problem with them, they can take their money somewhere else. Wow. That's, a, that's I was like, amount of support. Oh, <laughs> like I just like anime waterfall cries. Like, <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's an amazing level of support. Um, so yeah. how far along would you say you are in your journey currently? I came out on January 6th, 2017, mm. and I started Hormones on May 13th of 2017. So three years, three, a little over three and a half since coming out and a little over two, a little over three since starting HRT. Are you are you looking towards surgeries or anything like that? Um, I, mean, I had know. I had surgery in September of last year. Okay. Um, well, there there's multiple surgeries that uh, trans people go through, and I was just wondering if if you oh, know, which I mean one that's did? fair. I had bottom surgery. Oh wow. Okay. And um, I've heard... I'm very fortunate that in Ontario it's covered by our universal health care. Wow. And that, that's the only one that you've had? No facial feminization yeah. or top surgery? Wow. Not covered. Oh, not covered. Okay. All right. No. <laughs> weirdly uh, weirdly considered electives, cosmetic. Okay. I've heard from other trans people that the HRT was the made the biggest change and the, the, the biggest um, val- validating kind of aff- affirmative changes to the body. Um, and then that the but that the surgery is the bottom surgery is kind of the icing on the cake. Is that kind of what you found or, or was it more significant in kind of validating for yourself, your gender? A really good question. Um, for me, I think it was just, I would have rather had the surgery than not. Um, it was more about the psychological effects than the physical ones for me. I think, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that goes for the biggest changes in terms of HRT as well. Like I found that they helped like that, that process um, was the benefits were more psychological than they were physical. Like obviously there are physical changes, but like I just 
started to feel more at home in my own body afterwards mm-hmm. and a, in like a weird nebulous way that I don't necessarily have form for the words of. Yeah, and I think that's uh, again goes back to how you describe how you're feeling to people. It is very nebulous. It's really tough to put your finger on what it is that you're feeling. It's just, it's just wrong, for lack of a better term. I I realized this kind of recently because I was trying to describe it to somebody, and it, it's like it's not even feeling like you're a, a square peg in a round hole. It's just that you see the round hole and you see that it's it's not right, but you don't know why and you don't know how. So yeah, it, it's great to hear that 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 those things really kind of did help help you feel like okay, this 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 is starting to fit now. I'm just yeah. I just had my first endocrinologist appointment, the the initial consult on Friday, so I'm, I'm gathering lots. Congratulations, of Congratulations, that's huge. Well, thank you. Now I have to go visit a sperm bank because I figure I should kind of save that just just in case. Sure. Yeah, that's not uncommon. No freaking desire to do that, though. That I, of all of this, I think that's probably the least thing. That, the thing I'm looking forward to the least. I don't know how you do that, <laughs> but we'll try. We'll give it the old try, and we'll see. Anna said that, um, by the way, that that she can confirm, having been out with you, that you are in fact an introvert, despite uh, those of us that might disbelieve that from from seeing you on your stream <laughs> here and in your comedy. <laughs> So yeah, that's fair. Have your transi- transition goals shifted as you've moved along in your transition? Like for me, I had f- fears of doing anything that was permanent. And so I kept hitting up against that wall. And then now I'm finally starting to, to kind of get over that. And so I feel like it's just been a progression as I've gotten comfortable with one level, let's say, then um, moving on to the next level starts to seem like the right thing to do and and feels good. Is that, is that, have you experienced kind of that? I haven't really had I haven't really ever set up like quote unquote transition goals um I just kind of ebb and flow as I go Mm -hmm. um like I wasn't interested in surgery until I was and then I just kind of like went through the process of dealing with it um it wasn't so much that like as I was coming out, I was like, that thing over there in the, on the horizon, I want that. I have to go get it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more that like I'm just walking down a path and eventually I come to forks in the road and I go, okay, that's the direction I want to be in. Um, it's a much more kind of like um, there's more flow to it rather than like a charted destination. Uh-huh. If that makes sense, yeah, no, it totally does. And I, you know, I've kind of found out like I was li- listening to a podcast, and and the, Ron Funches was talking about having a, uh, uh, what's the board, uh, vision board, where you visualize all the oh, things yeah, that sure. you want, you know, and and um, so I started to kind of, you know, put. See, for me, the the reason why I've avoided having like quote unquote transition goals is because I'm deeply afraid of failure. And I can fail to achieve a goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I just kind of my life, my brain hack is like, don't set goals. You can't fail to reach. <laughs> Interesting. I think that that's contrary to uh, what a lot of people would teach us. But I think in transitioning, it's really important to have that. I think that that's the one one case where it's really important because, you know, I put this picture of this beautiful thin woman that looked amazing in the sundress and um you know, started to kind of look at that and have that. And then I, I realized, and especially in joining this community and 
getting more involved in it, I realized that that's really stupid. And, and you're, uh, like you said, you're setting yourself up for failure because we have no idea what our bodies are going to do with the hormones, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Uh, so you're just setting yourself up for disappointment if you do that, you know? So I, I, I love, I love two things about yours, you know, just the path and where it leads is where it leads and you make the decisions as they, they come up. And then also I, I like to talk a lot about what you said about ebb, ebb and flow where, you know, if something feels right this week, but next week it, it's too much for me, allowing myself to kind of pull back in that space and, and have that and then be like, okay, you know, well, we took, we took the left fork this, this week now or last week. But this week, I kind of want to take a step back and look at the fork again, and then maybe yeah. maybe I do end up going on the on the left fork, and, and now I'm ready, and I just charge on it on it, or maybe maybe the right fork is better. And I think it's important to allow yourself that to not be afraid to reevaluate things and to not consider every wrong turn a failure. You know? Yeah. So when was the first time you found a, a successful trans community that really helped and kind of bolstered? what you were doing um shit probably not until comedy um within the queer comedy scene in toronto there's a much smaller uh trans comedy scene hmm. and by trans comedy scene i mean me and like my five friends <laughs> um but are it the was scene. it was it was fantastic to have other trans people who were confident enough in themselves to also be on a stage and to see how we had all of these universal stories but how each individual performer had their own unique takes on them and how you could have multiple of us on the same show and we could talk about the same subject matters but in such very different ways mm -hmm. um and it was great having peers to you know to do that with whereas before the only community that i had found was uh this program uh called gender journeys which is put on by uh the clinic that i go to okay. and basically it's just um you sign up for it and it's i think it's 10 weeks and it's basically like you know a, a weekly meeting where it's like oh so you're trans now what um, and like i made friends there who i still talk to to this day but we were all so uncertain of ourselves and uncomfortable in our own skins and so there wasn't a lot of um there wasn't a lot of empowerment in it if that makes sense it was mm -hmm. it was very educational it was very useful um but I didn't leave every week being like, fuck yeah, we got this. You know what I mean? Like trans and proud. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like, but that's how I feel after every comedy show, oh, you know, and how I feel after seeing, you know, my trans siblings kill it on a show, you know, I'm like, fuck yeah. You know? And I, that's that for me, that was like the first time I had a community that I felt I was getting something really valuable and empowering out of. What role has therapy played in your transition? Have you seen a therapist regularly at any point? I did for quite a while um, and stopped because unfortunately, like I just became financially unstable and couldn't afford to. Um, but 
it was really good in the early days of my transition for kind of sorting out and giving shape to some of my feelings and anxieties. Um, and I mean, in all fairness, like I should probably go back. Um, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, I should do that. And then in like four months, I'm like, wait, wasn't I gonna shit? Like, <laughs> because time is an illusion. Well, that, um, that and and your whole anti-goals thing probably throws it out the window. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't like what you're implying. No. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I found it very helpful. I think anybody that has the opportunity to, to do it should, trans or otherwise, because uh, we've all got shit, you know? We've all got shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, so now, um, so far, I mean... I don't know. I would say that you're, I mean, now that you've, you've, you know, had, had the surgery, like as far as where you'd be in a transition, it sounds like you're done. You've, you've, you've reached the end. Congratulations. You broke the finish line. Um, but what, what do you still find yourself dysphoric about these days? Or have you gotten over that? Uh, Have I gotten over that shit? I didn't realize there were two comedians on this show. Uh, (laughs) uh, no, I feel dysphoric about most things to be honest uh i do not have a good relationship with my body um i'm self-conscious every time i leave the house um i still very regularly get misgendered by store clerks and stuff like that um i have a lot of issues with my voice um i get misgendered on the phone all the time Mm -hmm. um but I bought a microphone <laughs> so that I could be on Twitch broadcasting my fucking voice because <laughs> that's who I am as a human being. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> More of the fuck um, it. Here, this is what it is. Let's just... this Exactly. You know, we talked a lot um, about uh, on the last episode about... And I think with, with uh, on the first one as well with Madison about getting the point of like it's not about passing which again, talking about transition goals, that's kind of what we all set out as, as our first thing that's just kind of inherent in being trans. It's like your goal is to be accepted and gendered correctly as, as, a, as a woman, not as a, as, a, as a trans person or man. Sorry, I have to be exclusionary, but you, know, you set out this goal and, and you, you want to pass and, and that's what it is. And the true growth comes from getting to the point where you want to go out and pass as you. You accept that, you know, this See, is just who me, I am. See, for me, I... I am six foot one. I have football player shoulders. Not that I've ever played football, much to my high school football coach's dismay. Um, I am very visibly trans. There is not a world where that was not going to be an option for me. And I threw out the idea of quote unquote passing a very long time ago. But what's important for me is being seen. Yeah. And when I'm misgendered by strangers, store clerks, whomever, it's not that I it's not that I'm upset that I'm not passing. It's that I'm not being seen. Mm-hmm. It's that despite all of the markers to the contrary, you are able to look past all of the things that I am consciously telling you to see someone else standing in front of you mm-hmm. and that's what hurts yeah it, it's almost the willing the, the 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 willing or purposeful 
um, uh, lack of acceptance. Like I'm, yes. you know, I'm, I'm responding to what you're telling me and I'm telling you, I don't give and a I'm shit. And I'm ignoring it. Yes. I don't, I don't give a shit. Not only, I'm not ignoring it. I'm telling you that I'm going to purposefully go the opposite direction because that's yeah. what I have going on in me. People are wonderful. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I find that I, I still have these days. Uh, luckily it's, it's shifted a bit, but um, I still have the days no matter what I do to myself, <laughs> uh, no matter how much face I put on or, or dress or whatever, I look in the mirror and I still see a guy. And then there are other days where I look like a complete and total train wreck and, you know, unshaved, all that kind of stuff, unshowered. <laughs> and I still see Emily. And it's just kind of funny how, you know, some, some days like, you know, no matter what you do, I, like I said, I still see a guy and then other days like, oh, there she is. <laughs> there yeah. seems to be no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. I think a lot of the times the, the best that I can hope for is the turning point where the scales tip in mm -hmm. the right favor, you know? And it's just funny that we I all... don't, I don't know that it will ever go away entirely. And again, going back to the idea of goals, like I don't want to think about the day that that might be, because if it never comes, that's a crippling disappointment. <laughs> but I just want to get to the point where I see Ashley more then I don't. Mm -hmm. It is so important to to get to that and to have that have that perspective on yourself. You know, it, it's funny that people in completely different phases of their transition uh, still have those kind of things because, like, like I said, I I, I see you. Um, I see basically bottom surgery as kind of like the final step, and then you know, and then and then that that's it. You know, congratulations. Um, I'm. I feel like I'm only, I feel like I'm not even really halfway into my transition. I've uh, been out dressing full time for about five years, but only came out as trans to myself and the rest of the world really recently, probably about a year or two ago. And um, just now starting to get comfortable, like I said, with the permanent changes, uh, laser and hormone therapy God, and things like laser. that. Oh, it sucks so bad. I had it on Tuesday. It and hurts so bad. What I wasn't expecting was the laser sucks, yes. But for an entire week after, shaving is horrible. And I, I yeah, don't know if that's an experience that's, I haven't that you had have. that. I haven't had to deal with that for a long time, thankfully. But yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it, it, it won't shave and your skin is just raw afterwards. It, it's terrible. But... um. But it's just funny because, like I said, I feel, I feel so so much earlier in my transition, and yet I feel like we've kind of, um, you know, crossed in in you know how I feel about myself more. I've got that where I feel more Emily than I do, you know, see a guy in the mirror. So it's just interesting how no matter how our our journey is and how far along it is in it, it doesn't indicate how we feel inside about ourselves. I think that's an important yeah. message for, for people out there that, that look at us as trans people, as out trans people, confidently presenting ourselves in the world that you, you really can't guess or judge what's going on inside and how confident that person feels. And, you know, the, the importance of correctly gendering a, a person, how much it really means to them. Yeah. What was your experience with hormones? You mentioned that it, it, it really kind of helped affirm things, but were there... 
Were there things you weren't expecting? Were there kind of uh, curveballs? Were there speed bumps and tough parts that you ran into? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I was emotionally volatile for quite a while. <laughs> I, uh, I was very emotionally fragile for a, probably like six to eight months after uh re- like after getting like into the full regimen i think mm-hmm. um and that made things difficult uh in like personal life situations and stuff and dealing with my partner and you know things like that and especially because it because i was able to start so soon after coming out i was going through all of like those early transition you know uh you know baby deer leg moments Mm-hmm. At the same time that my body's physiology was reinventing itself, uh-huh. which was probably a lot for it to deal with all at once. Um, I got to assume, yeah, I, mentally you know, and emotionally, that uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, that that's exactly a lot to go through like all at the same time. Set on all sides, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it eventually it all kind of like evened out, and I was like, here we are, like smooth sailing. Um, and it's been forever since it's really had any like noticeable impact on mm. me i mean I, I cry a lot more now but it's might also because we hashtag live in a global pandemic mm-hmm. um and yeah, the world is completely is sideways fire. everything uh, <laughs> like i was i was streaming a horror game the last few nights that i was that i've been on and uh made me cry three times uh which is not something that i usually expect out of a horror video game <laughs> Uh, there I was. Um, how do you feel that, that transitioning has affected your overall mental health? Oh, uh, undeniably in the positive, like I would, I would trade my worst day out for my best day prior in a heartbeat. There's just no competition. Um, even on the absolute worst dog shit fuck my life day i would rather be there than be him Mm -hmm. fuck that guy (laughs) (laughs) um here's here's a tough one we've sort of kind of addressed this or or been around it so feel free to to tell me fuck off and we can move on beyond it um what way what ways in what ways has transitioning lived up to your expectations and what ways has it not i mean i know you didn't have like goals but there's still kind of things that we we hold on to there was, I definitely feel like I was sold a false bill of goods by trans Twitter, where oh, I kept <laughs> I kept reading these stories of um, how eventually you just turn this point where suddenly the majority of people stop misgendering you. And you're just read in the world as your gender. And I'm like. <laughs> waiting. Just waiting, when? sweetheart. Just what waiting. What o'clock? Like. <laughs> yeah, time, um, I understand that time has no meaning now, but but still at some point, like when? <laughs> right? Like, uh, but I would say that's probably the one thing like. I knew not to set specific expectations for, you know, body changes and all those sorts of things. Um, And kind of just like you had to just let it do its thing 
and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. But that was the one thing that I was kind of hoping for. Um, that like eventually, like I just wouldn't have to worry about it as much. Yeah. And it, we're still waiting. Ah, <laughs> uh, so um, you you know talking about your your past and kind of eschewing the person you were before, uh, your career I, I think seemed like it was kind of just getting off and and getting good. You directed and co-wrote you know that wonderful short interview with a time traveler. Um, along with having some other film credits that uh, that have that name related to it. Um, yes. Did, did you have fears that transitioning could jeopardize the momentum of your career? Oh, it was it was more than fear. It, I had a I was certain that I was committing career suicide by coming out. There's not a lot of examples of people that do what I do in the trans community. Or Ali, there's there's more now, but there was very little uh, three years ago, mm -hmm. um, and so I was like, there's no place for me once I come out, um, and I was just kind of bracing myself for like this is it, and uh, uh, and uh, then it uh, never came. It didn't. Okay, so it did. It didn't affect the um, the work you get or um, the the projects you've you've been given. No, I think in a lot of ways, it's made me a better writer um, because obviously I am still the same person I've always been, but I'm more honest now mm -hmm. in my work. I'm not dancing around things. I'm not trying to write through a cloud of um, doubt and uncertainty. I can own who I am. And when I am confident in myself, I am confident in my writing. And that makes it better writing. Awesome. Um, and I can tell the stories that I want to be telling. I can draw clearer lines, you know, uh, metaphorically for the things that I want to be talking about. Because I, I spend a lot of my, I've spent most of my career in like sci-fi and the supernatural and stuff like that. And uh unsurprisingly a big fascination of mine has been time travel and things of that like things related to time travel and past lives and stuff like that and after i came out i was like oh that's why okay yeah 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 like <laughs> before i was just fascinated with it and i didn't have a clear understanding of why and i think the work wasn't as good as it could have been because i was I was reading it through foggy glasses, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. How did you choose your name? How did you choose Ashley? It was the name that my mom was going to give me if I was assigned female at birth. Oh, awesome. That's cute. Yeah. Now, I think I saw in one of your credits, not one of your credits, but one of your um, social links, uh, um, Ashley J. Cooper, J-A-Y. Yeah, that J, is my, J is my middle initial, but... Ashley, the letter J Cooper was taken. Uh huh. Oh, so you just spelled so it out. So I just okay. spelled it out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't know if that was like, if maybe that was a um, a reference to uh, your you know dead name. I don't know if you you like. That oh term no or... no, it's uh. just it's my middle name and I. So basically, uh, my dead name may as well have been John Smith. Like it was just such a common name. Okay. Um, and it was the sort of it was it was the sort of name where like unless I was one of the first 
couple hundred people on a new internet service or platform, I couldn't get my name as my username. Hmm. Um, so what did I go and do? I chose the most basic bitch name you could possibly fucking imagine so that I could have the exact same experience <laughs> all over again. Hey, you got to keep me. your life consistent. You got to have those consistent <laughs> moments in your life because so much other things are changing. So you got to find <laughs> those where you can. Um, so yeah, I, I just couldn't get my, I couldn't just get at Ashley Cooper. I was like, okay, well, what about my middle initial? And they're like, also no. I was like, God damn it. Okay. Like, <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't want to be one of those people that had like, I didn't want to be like at Ashley Cooper 85 or something stupid like that. I was like, I hate that. So <laughs> that, yeah, that's how I ended up with that. How have you been received by uh, colleagues and other people in the industry? I have found nothing but support in uh, in film and television and games um at least as far as i'm aware uh if anybody's got a problem they haven't been bold enough to say so to my face okay uh but i live in canada where we're all very polite when we're in the same room together <laughs> okay. um so who's to say i have no way of knowing whether or not be being out and being extremely loud about it has cost me employment opportunities because people don't usually call to be like, oh yeah, we were looking for somebody for this, but when we realized you wouldn't shut up about how trans you were, we decided to go with someone else. Like that doesn't really happen. So I don't really have a gauge okay. of that, but I can say that like, I've paid my rent every month since coming out. So I mean, that's worth something. <laughs> I say that's pretty significant, yeah. <laughs> um, has your focus on uh, the types of projects you want to work on changed, and and the types of materials that you you feel like you want to write now? I don't think so. I'm still very much attracted to the same types of projects, but I would say that I'm more conscious of why I want them, and the the thematic resonance that I want to imbue them with and the subjects that I want to tackle within them and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm finding a much more clear line between the things that I am attracted to as an audience member versus the things that I am attracted to as a creator. And that's a very interesting and evolving conversation, I think, that every artist needs to deal with. Um, it's like just because you like coming of age teen dramas doesn't necessarily mean that that's what will sustain you as a creative person. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so for like for for a really long time, I was kind of trying to square peg round hole, you know, my career at the very earliest stages, because like I'm the kind of chick that like I bought Pacific Rim on Blu-ray and then watched it so many times that I had to buy it digitally because I burned the disc out. Like, <laughs> giant robots punching giant monsters in the face just scratches every geeky itch that I have. Um, but for some reason, I shied away from stuff like that, and I shied away from the, the things that really kind of filled my heart because I was like, if I want to be a serious professional... I need to be doing this kind of thing or that kind of thing or that kind of thing. And when I first started out, it was not what fills me with passion, what makes me so excited that I can't wait to sit down at my desk and work on this. It was 
what do I think will sell? What do I think is producible? What do I think I could make within a certain budget? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I found zero experience, or sorry, I found zero success with that model. The first project that I ever had optioned by a production company was a small psychological horror with a cast of four characters where one of them is a robot. And it scratched every geeky itch that I had, but I imbued it with themes that excited me as a creative person, and it got everybody real jazzed. And I was like, oh, I can actually have the things that I want. I don't have to pretend to be somebody else. And my brain was like, we won't think about that for a while. Uh, <laughs> and I found ever since then, and especially since coming out, that becomes a, that path becomes much clearer every day. So you you kind of alluded to uh, what the, the the how that you figured out why the time travel thing was so important to you. What what kind of are the the, the kind of key things? Or are there things that you wish that you could go back in time and um, tell yourself or or have yourself do over? Okay, I have a little bit of a story. So the answer the the short answer to that is yes. Uh, basically, if I had the power, I would go back to eight-year-old me and be like, that's because you are the Pink Ranger. And I would do everything that I could to come out as early as humanly possible with the hope that maybe I would be happier with the person that I am today. Because hmm. despite all of this and everything I'm saying, I'm racked with a lot of self-hatred and a lot of guilt and a lot of all these other things that I have to tell to fuck off every day I roll out of bed. Hmm. But, and this goes back to um, the idea of uh, projects and things that are exciting to me as a creator becoming a lot more clear and focused after I've come out. Just before I was, just before I had come out to myself, I started pursuing this graphic novel, and it was a time travel story. And it was this weird fusion of like uh, '90s grunge music and time travel, and it was just this. It was just, I'm still in love with it so much. I'm still going to get it made someday, I swear it. Um, but I was really excited by it. And I couldn't quite pinpoint the specificity of what I wanted to do with it. I just knew that I had to do it. And then I came out to myself and I realized what I wanted to do with it. Because every time travel story is the same. It is the story of somebody who gains the ability to go back to the past to right a terrible wrong. That's every single mainstream time, time travel story you've ever seen. What I was excited to do was to tell a story of somebody that used time travel to eventually have to come to terms with the problems that they have in their past so that they can finally begin to move forward. Hmm. And writing that movie and adapting that comic book became my kind of self-inflicted therapeutic exercise. And the, is because that I was not a is that interview no, that was not of... interview the okay. time traveler. It was it was called Skip to the End. It was published by Heavy Metal Comics. It's incredible. I highly recommend you go buy it. But the 
original graphic novel follows that very traditional time travel formula of writing a terrible wrong and in this instance the terrible wrong is that the main character is a bass guitar player for like a nirvana style band in the 90s but in the present day he's completely washed up has spent all of his rock star money and is working as a bartender to pay rent and he's trying to kick a heroin addiction heroin addiction he's basically the prototype for has beans mm-hmm. and this all fell up his whole life fell apart when the lead singer from his band committed suicide kurt cobain style and he's basically spent the last 20 years what ifing what if that never happened so that the band never broke up so that my life never went to shit and he gets this guitar that mysteriously shows up at the bar and he realizes that when he plays it he can literally travel back in time to relive his glory days. And so eventually he he learns that he's not just traveling back to relive the moments, he's actually going back to these moments and he's noticing small changes in his present day. Mm. And so he sets out on this plan to use the guitar to travel back in time to figure out a way to stop his friend and lead singer from killing himself so that his life never falls apart in the process. But eventually he has to come to terms with the fact that it's not about him, that he has been spending the last 20 years blaming all of his personal decisions on this one uh, incontrollable moment that he has no ownership over. Mm -hmm. He's been passing the buck for 20 years and is not taking responsibility for how he ended up in the situation that he's in. And I am not a 47-year-old washed-up rock star, but I am that character in so many ways. And I could have never written that project without being able to look inward and without the ability to be honest with myself about my anxieties, my issues, and all of those sorts of things. If I was still looking at the world through foggy glasses, I would have just basically adapted it straightforwardly and I would not it wouldn't have the soul that it has now. Hmm. Where are you in the project? It's written and ready to go and uh I mean we were shopping it around before the world ended and so hopefully once <laughs> everything starts getting back to business we'll be able to start that engine back up again mm-hmm. but who's who's to say so did you write on um interview with a time traveler no i came up with the story and then i produced and directed it okay so you, you basically had the outline and then somebody else did the actual writing for it even less i <laughs> had so there are two guys in a room uh-huh. one of them's trying to convince the other that they're a time traveler that's what I had when I talked to the writer the first time. Okay. And and what do you how do you feel about that project? I mean, obviously it's had a lot of success. What do you think about? I mean, do you do you watch it? To, it's, you know? it's it surpassed my greatest ambitions for it. It cost us like five grand. It cost nothing. We raised the money for it on Kickstarter, and it was just born of this creative hunger that I had at the time, where I was like, I really need to shoot something, and it needs to be so logistically simple that if we can't get anybody to care about it and we can't get any money cobbled together for it that i can shoot it in the backyard i don't care i just need to make something Mm -hmm. and i was like what's more logistically simple than two people talking in a room and then it was just a matter of figuring out what they could be talking about that would make me excited 
And I was like, one of them is a time traveler. <laughs> um, and I took it to my friend because I knew that I would be directing it. But I really wanted to produce it as well. Because at the time, this was just before I started producing for the production company that I was working at. And so I wanted to produce this short to be like, look what I can do. You should you should bump me up. I'm capable of more than what you're having me do here. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I was going to direct it. I knew that I was going to produce it. I didn't also want to write it because I I love the collaborative element of filmmaking. And I didn't want to be the only person in the room with a say. I wanted a collaborator. I wanted somebody to bring their own t- fresh take to it. Okay. And so that's why I sought out a writer for it. And I'm so glad that I did because he took it in such interesting directions that I would have never in a million years thought of. Hmm. The... Prophet Elijah or Elijah the Prophet? Yes. Um, what was what were your roles on that one? I was just the director. Just the director, okay. So someone else had the story and everything and, and how did you get involved yeah. in that project? I knew the the guys that wrote it and really liked the script and it got picked up by a producer who I kind of knew through the scene and they didn't have a director for it. And I'd seen the stuff that the producer had made prior. And at the time, all I had done is like really, really scrappy student shorts. Mm -hmm. And I saw it as an opportunity to do something a little bit more polished that would have me kind of kick me up a few rungs on the ladder, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And that worked? Yeah. Yeah. That eventually led to interview the time traveler. That's Elijah the Prophet. You can draw a direct line to how I was able to get the actors that are in time traveler because they liked Elijah the Prophet. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised that the the main actor in that is is phenomenal in Elijah. Yeah, yeah, it's a very it's a very fun little story. Um, somebody had asked earlier, uh, the comedians in you know the the, the trans comedians, uh, who should we follow? Who should we look up? Oh, you should look up Alice Rose. Uh, she's absolutely hilarious. You should look up Kaya Green if you're into sketch and improv. How do you spell Kaya? K-Y-A-H. And then just green like the color. Anybody else? Other than, other than um, Ashley Cooper, of course. <laughs> and I've got... uh, yeah, I heard she's pretty funny. Um, and... Oh God, what's my brain doing right now? <laughs> We've been at this for a while. I can see where it could be a little bit mushy. <laughs> yeah, it's also really hot in my room. <laughs> oh. So um, you just recently reached affiliate on Twitch. Congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. Um, how did, and you did it, you said in like 22 days, I think you said? 20 days. 20 days? 20 days, yeah. How, how did you uh, build up a following that quick? I have no idea. Um, I think it's just because I treat, I treat streaming like hanging out. Mm -hmm. I just want everybody to have a good time and I want everybody to feel welcome and like they can speak up and lead the conversation. You know, I want everybody to feel included. I don't want anybody to feel like they're just screaming into the void when they're, when they send a message through chat. Uh Um, and I think everybody likes my dog. So that probably helps. (laughs) Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't heard from Pancake today. Is he is he banished? I had to lock him out. He gets he he doesn't understand what technology is. So as far as he's concerned, 
I just sit in the corner of my room talking to myself and he uh, hates that. Or talking or talking to him. He probably probably assumes that you're like saying things to him and he's just like, well, what? So so he just he barks a lot and I just felt like that probably wasn't ideal for this situation. Yeah. So um back on the the previous talk at, topic uh Tatten plays said that she wishes uh well, I'm assuming, sorry. Sorry for the assumption there. They wish um they could go back at 14 to tell themselves to come out because their parents um, felt like this came out of nowhere when they did come out. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's been something that's been building their whole life. Yeah. Yeah. My, one of the first questions my parents asked was like, how long have you felt like this? And I was like, since I was eight and they were like, we didn't see any signs. I was like, I ah, know <laughs> I tried real hard on that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the compliments. Like, <laughs> so I'm a good actor as well. For what, for <laughs> yeah. So you've got uh, a phenomenal actor to add to your list of, of accomplishments <laughs> there. Yeah. I, th I think there's just so many reasons throughout our life. Like I said, mine was just a lack of understanding. Sure. So, um, so what do you have, what, as we kind of wrap this up, what are some of the key themes? What are some of the, the main advice that you have for young and closeted trans people out there? Fucking do it. The, the, and this is going to sound flippant and I don't mean it to. The worst that can happen is that no one will support you. And let me elaborate on that. If when you come out, the people that don't support you were never actually your friends to begin with, because their friendship was conditional on a version of you that wasn't real. Mm -hmm. Them leaving is just the garbage taking itself out and leaving you with more room to create real, genuine bonds with people that appreciate you for the person that you are. The worst day that you will ever have after coming out is worth a thousand of the best days that you have in the closet. That's, because it's a bold statement. The things that you're crying about and the things that you're upset about after you come out, they're all genuine. And there's, n there's nothing like that. There's no substitute for living your life genuinely. I believe that to the bottom of my heart. Um, uh, there was a question that from the audience that I didn't get to ask. Uh, if you came across discrimination and basically other other crap that you deal with in the real world, do you take that as an um, an opportunity to drop it into your act, into your comedy? Yep. Yeah, there are there are jokes that I that I've written that are direct like that directly come from personal experiences. Yeah. Awesome. I've got uh, a slide after this when we close down. I'll leave up for a while to that has uh, a couple of Ashley's social things and pages to follow. So hang out for a little while after the after we close here. Um, but Ashley, what's next for you in uh, in in the trans community and in your career? Uh, right now I'm just wrapping up writing on Later Daters, which is a dating slim dating sim slash visual novel uh, that's on Nintendo Switch and Steam. 
you can currently get the first half of the game uh, and the second half where all my writing is is coming out in September. Okay. Um, and I'm on Twitch every Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern, mm -hmm. um, which is Toronto time uh, in layman's terms. I don't know what and that is. <laughs> layman's terms? No, no, uh, Toronto time. I, I have no idea what that is. Oh. I don't, I don't know that um, planet. You don't know that planet? Um, and... Yeah, I guess maybe I'll get around to writing some more TV once we're allowed to actually make that again. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they haven't uh, they haven't talked about that. Uh, it seems like uh, you know we're out in California and there's there's a, a fair bit of California opening back up, especially in in my community here specifically. But um, yeah, I guess TV still closed down, huh? Yeah, all all production still at a, a dead halt. Um, so hopefully that'll get back up and running again soon, and I can get back to to things but until then i'll be playing spooky video games and scaring the shit out of myself on twitch <laughs> and for some reason and for some reason crying a lot with them yes <laughs> look the last game that i played was unexpectedly heavy okay <laughs> i've watched a little bit of, of ashley's stream i'm kind of uh, new to finding her but it, it is really entertaining especially when she plays a game that's set you know miles from her house oh my god the, the last game yeah it takes takes place like literally a uh, 25 minute walk from my house that was wild was not <laughs> expecting that i didn't know that when i started it so yeah that is um uh, at ashley versus like i said I've, I've got the things that you sent me on the card but why don't you go ahead and um, send people to other pages what, what other stuff do you want to promote real fast sure on twitch i am at i'm ashley versus vs on facebook i'm ashley cooper comedy and on Twitter, I'm Ashley J A Y Cooper. That is where I saw it. Yeah, because <laughs> Ashley, the letter J Cooper, and Ashley Cooper were both taken. She was too slow. Yeah. Too slow. He's got to be quicker next time. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight, Ashley, and uh, being my third guest on the show. Another phenomenal episode. And uh, thank you. I will this is see a lot of fun. You. Oh, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from the Transverse Network. Watch the full video version of the show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash thetransverse and be sure to catch our slate of other great shows there as well. If you love what we're doing and want to support The Transverse, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash thetransverse.